Welcome back to the Adam Schefter podcast in a big week, a huge week, a historic week, a week in which the New York Jets finally landed their quarterback for this season and maybe beyond in a trade that involved six draft picks changing hands between the New York Jets and Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers winding up as the quarterback of the New York Jets, where he will wear not the number 12 that Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Namath gave him permission to, but the number eight that he wore in college at Cal as a sign of respect to the Hall of Fame Jets quarterback Joe Namath, a classy move. It was a huge day for the Jets and Packers because both sides get exactly what they want in this particular trade. The Packers wanted more draft capital to surround Jordan Love with. They get that draft capital on Thursday night, on Friday night, and in the 2024 draft. Thursday night, the Packers are going from pick number 15 to pick number 13. On Friday night, the Jets gave up their first second-round draft pick, number 42 overall to Green Bay, and that will be another spot that the Packers might be able to go get more help for Jordan Love. And then here's the key pick. I think the pick that was instrumental in getting this trade done, the conditional 2024 second-round draft pick that becomes a first-round draft pick if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this upcoming season. 65%, and the Jets won is then owed to Green Bay. And Green Bay wanted a one in this deal. And in the end, they flip first-round picks this year, and the Packers get a conditional two that could be a one next year. So it's possible that the Packers improve their draft position in the first round this year and wind up in the first round with the Jets pick next year. We'll see how that plays out. Now, Aaron Rodgers wants to be a part of the Jets offseason program. So now the Jets can get him in and begin to get him acclimated to the new organization, his new teammates, his new home. It's a big move. And the sooner they could do this, the better it would be to get this in and done. And so now it is official. Rodgers is going to be traded to the Jets, and that trade will be in place Friday night. And so for the second time in 15 years, the Jets have traded for a legendary Packers Hall of Fame quarterback. Last time, Brett Favre for a conditional fourth. This time, Aaron Rodgers in a trade that involves six picks, a historic day for the Green Bay Packers and the New York Jets. And speaking of big trades, we had another big trade earlier this offseason, one of the biggest, involving the number one overall pick, where the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fitterer, helped lead a charge to secure the Bears' number one overall pick. And let me say this, the Panthers traded up with the idea that they were comfortable picking Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback, at number one while having the next six or so weeks to do all the due diligence that they wanted to look into C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, Hendon Hooker, any other quarterback that they would have considered at one. And I don't believe they've heard or learned anything different to change their minds. I still believe that the consensus number one pick on Thursday night is going to be Bryce Young. And I even said that during free agency in March at a time where the sports books had C.J. Stroud favored to be the number one overall pick. But this offseason is going to be defined by what this team does with the number one overall pick. They made right. the bold move last week to trade up to get to number one. 
and now they'll sift through the quarterback options. And I think going into the process of evaluating the quarterbacks, I think that Bryce Young is the favorite to become the number one overall pick, and they will really? go in with an open. Really? Yeah, that's. Let's live there for just a second if we can, because some people have thought maybe Anthony Richardson climbed into that conversation yeah. after the combine. C.J. Stroud. You're hearing C.J. Stroud, yeah. especially with that offensive line. You're, I think hearing... going into the process, mm -hmm. I think, let me say it this way, I think Bryce Young is to the Panthers what Mac Jones was to the 49ers Ooh. when they traded up. They traded Ooh. up with the idea that they really Ooh. liked Mac Jones, and then they went through the process and wound up on Trey Lance. I think in this particular case, this team moved up with the idea that Bryce Young was a guy that they loved. Mm. They also really like C.J. Stroud. He's definitely got support in the organization. And we'll see what transpires So we haven't wavered on Bryce evaluations. Young. I believe that's been the guy all along. And we'll see if on Thursday night, the Panthers make that official and pick Bryce Young. Now, you never know what you're going to get with the draft. I remember back in 2018 when the Cleveland Browns had the number one overall selection and they were debating what to do. And on Tuesday, that Tuesday before the draft, as I was on my way to the airport flying to Dallas, I reported that Baker Mayfield was square in the conversation to become the Browns' number one overall pick. And when I did that, as I was boarding my flight to Dallas... I got a text from, of all people, my father, Jeffrey Schefter. And I will read this exchange, which came in on April 24th at 9.57 a.m. I have the text right here. He texts me, someone here said you tweeted Mayfield to the Browns. Is this correct? And I said, here's what I reported. I'm in the air now to Dallas. Come through and can you read it? And I sent him the text about how Mayfield was square in the conversation. And my father, Jeff Schefter, texted back, and I read it word for word. Can't open it, but without seeing it, I think I understand what you're suggesting. And then he says, hard to separate fake news from truth when it comes to the draft. I'm certainly no expert, but it would really surprise me if they take Mayfield at one. Now, hold on. Before I get to my response, let me just say this. My father, the man that helped produce me 56 plus years ago, is telling me, that my Baker Mayfield story is inaccurate. The man that watched me go through college at Michigan, graduate school at Northwestern, work in Denver for 16 years in newspapers, write five books, the man that has watched everything I've done professionally is saying fake news. Fake news from my own father. So I sent it back. And I was offended, I gotta be honest. I was a little offended. Nothing fake in what I sent you. Surprise you to even say that. They've made a decision, the Browns have. And I'm telling you, Mayfield has been under consideration. Fact. Lo and behold, that Thursday night, with the number one overall pick, despite what Jeffrey Schefter said, the Cleveland Browns drafted Baker Mayfield. It was not fake news. It was real. We said he was under consideration, and he turned out to be the pick over Sam Darnold Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and every other quarterback in the 2018 draft class. So even sometimes the people that you're closest to in life don't believe what you're reporting. Fake news. Amazing. Jeff Schefter, come on. Get with the program. All right. Let's go on to some real news today. Let's go on to the man that engineered one of the big trades of the offseason. 
Let's go on to the man who is the general manager of the Carolina Panthers who traded the ninth overall pick, pick 61 in the second round, a 2024 first rounder, a, a 2025 second rounder, and wide receiver DJ Moore to the Chicago Bears for the number one overall pick this Thursday night in Kansas City, the Carolina Panthers general manager, Scott Fitterer. Hello there, Scott. So that's your office, by the way? Yes. Where's the board? Can't we see the board and the rankings for how everybody stacks up here? Got all the way down to one, right? That's <laughs> uh you know what we actually have a new draft office, uh or a little draft room down the hall, which just built and we just got in there this past week. Oh really? It's awesome. What was what was the idea of building this new office for you guys? So we had done the last two uh drafts from upstairs in the concourse of the uh, stadium and uh we uh, had the old draft room. It was redone, and it broke down walls and widened it out uh, and really just really fixed it up, put a lot of money into it, and it's an awesome draft room right now. So you'll be in that room on draft night making all the selections? Right, right. And we just got in there on Monday. What, so it's going to have the new room smell to it, the new paint and everything like that? It smells like a new car right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect, right? A new car for a new pick? Yeah, it's apropos that you'd be in that new room to make the number one pick. And I want to ask you, have you ever been a part of an organization that has held the number one overall pick before? No, I think the highest is probably uh, maybe uh, Carolina. My first year, I think we were six. And then back in uh, with Seattle, when we took Russell Okung, I think that might have been around six. So really, I don't think I've ever been in the top five before. So to have number one is pretty special. What is that like to hold the number one overall pick for the draft Thursday night? Honestly, it's really, I feel so good about it. You know, we were sitting at nine and we traded the one. And I, I said, if we're still sitting at nine right now, we need a quarterback. I'd be so nervous. I feel great about the, the move going up to one. I think it was the right decision. I think we've done the right process, like evaluating these quarterbacks, being continuous all the way through the process and uh, trying to be true, true to it and not share who we think is going to be. I'm, you know, Frank and I haven't sat down yet and said, hey, listen, this is the pick. We have a pretty good idea. You know, we're getting a lot of clarity through this. Uh, we'll do that probably Friday or Monday and then really kind of challenge ourselves to make sure it's the right pick. There's, but there was a lot of conviction. And when we moved from nine to one, we had conviction at the time. And, you know, we would like the group overall. But as we've gone through the process, we've gotten stronger and stronger in our conviction. Once we've learned who these guys are, how they work, how they process, uh, who they are as leaders of men. And uh, it's really, that's why I feel so good about making that move to one. Is that the kind of thing where you just feel it in your gut as you're going along and you're doing your work and you're meeting with the players and you're studying tape? How do you know that you feel good about something? Is it like meeting somebody on a date and it just feels right? What is it like? Yeah, well, you get to know them through the process. You start checking boxes. You know, what are you, what are you looking for in a quarterback? And it's not just some blind shot in the dark. It's like you have certain attributes you're looking for, not, not only physically, but character-wise. And as you go through, you're checking off boxes, checking off boxes. You know, different tests, different dinners, different uh, just conversations you have with them, the you know, people you talk to. You're figuring out who this guy is. And it's like putting a piece of a puzzle together. The more information, the more pieces you have, the more clear the picture becomes. And that, that's the process we've taken, and, and it's becoming clear. 
Now, you said as we tape this nine days out of the draft that you haven't made a decision yet, but you're narrowing in and getting closer to that. Can you think of a key moment in this process without identifying the particular player that you're leaning towards where you felt like it was becoming more and more apparent to you, Scott, about who you would take? Yeah, I think when we sit down uh, with the players, you know, at dinner, it was an important part to get to know them. How do they how do they act socially? How do they, you know, carry conversations? Are they looking you in the eye? Like all these little things that you think don't mean a lot, but that means a lot because this is the guy you're gonna put in front of the organization. This is the guy you're gonna have in your huddle. And do we believe in them? Are the players gonna believe in them? And so it, it's that's the dinners, it's the interview with the coaches, seeing them on the board. Uh, all those all those things they just add up and uh, no I wouldn't say there's one like one specific instance it just reaffirms that as you go through the process okay this guy's taking off this guy's getting you know pulling away or this group of guys is pulling away um, but overall I mean it's been a really strong group overall uh, but uh, it, it does it there starts to be clarity through that process. Now, take me back to the moment that you were able to trade up to number one from number nine, which is quite a leap. And there were other teams that were trying to trade up to number one, as you well know, right? So was there a moment where you were more nervous during those discussions compared to yeah. a moment when you knew that it was going to happen? I just want to hear your recollections of what is an enormously significant trade for your franchise. Yeah, so it really started back at the combine. You know, I'm talking to Ryan Poles. Um, you know, we've thrown out different scenarios and met with him a couple of times in the combine. And uh, actually made an offer uh, before we left the combine. And then kind of just didn't pull it, but just said, okay, we don't want it sitting out there. So I think it was like Sunday evening. Uh, I talked to Ryan and said, hey, listen, okay, we're, we're full this right now. Let's keep discussing this. And then I come back to uh, Charlotte on Monday. And then it's not it's not Tuesday. And I get word that kind of through secondhand sources that you know Chicago may be trying to move the pick right then. There might be teams interested, you know, and as you all know, there things were happening behind the scenes. Yes. That that's the point where I got the most nervous. And it's like, oh my God. And so I, I jump on the phone, I call Mr. Tepper, I call Ryan and said, Hey, listen, don't do anything. Give us an opportunity here to jump back in. And now, I've known Ryan long enough, and obviously he knew we were serious by the conversations we had at the uh, at the combine. And he would have to listen to every offer too. He has to figure out what's best for his organization. And so we go through the process, and it played out over a few days, and there were a lot of twists and turns. But finally, it was just like, hey, listen, let's get this done. Let's go to one. Heck with everything else. And uh, you know, uh, we had to put a little something else in there to get it done, but uh, we got it done. And that was on a Friday late afternoon. We we're all sitting in my office. It was Christy Coleman, our president, Dan Morgan, uh, I believe Cole Spencer, you know. And once they said, yes, we'll do it, it was a great feeling. And then you hang up and you're like, wow, we have the number one pick. <laughs> and it's, it's exciting because you know you can control who you're going to take at that point. You're not taking guys that you like a lot, but are letting them fall to you or hoping they fall to you. You're just going up and you're getting the man that you want uh, and making what you think is the best decision for the organization. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, 
happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Adam. I remember when the Washington then Redskins traded up to number two for Robert Griffin III. Dan Snyder then took Bruce Allen, Mike Shanahan, a bunch of people. They went down to the Bahamas or the Caribbean, somewhere like that, after getting that trade done. Did you guys have any sort of celebration? Because that trade came down on a Friday afternoon, I do remember, that resulted in anything like a Friday happy hour, Scott. Uh, you know what, Dan Morgan and I drove home. We probably spent a couple hours here like discussing and you know going back and forth. Went home and, you know, we lived in the same community, the same little golf course community. Went to the clubhouse and sat there with our wives and had dinner. Maybe a couple of beverages. <laughs> well, it had to be a great feeling. I remember that week getting word the Houston Texans were very close to completing a trade for the number one overall pick. Yeah, you'd have to ask Houston where they were at with that. I've n- I haven't talked to Nick directly, so I'll let them uh, answer on their end. Well, I'm answering for you. I'm telling you, at one point in time, they were very close to it, getting that pick, I believe. Yeah, I, I'm just very happy that Brian and I had an agreement and we can get number one done. Was that one little thing at the end, DJ Moore? You know what? That, that was a part of it. Yeah, that's a huge part of it, actually. And it was, it was a, a piece that wasn't easy for us to give up. One, you know, there's many reasons. One, who's your quarterback can throw to, you know, if you trade your best receiver. You're also trading one of the like great guys in your locker room. You're trading the guy that's really close with the ownership, you know, especially Nicole Tepper. And, you know, uh, you're trading a guy you really don't want to trade. He's a, he's a building block on your team, but it's, he's a piece that they really wanted. Um, and I understand why they wanted them. And that, that was what was able to push it over the top. And even though we didn't want to do it, we're going up to get a quarterback. And that changes the direction of your franchise. And so, uh, uh, unfortunately, we had to give DJ up. Hated to do it. Uh, he'll do great there in that offense. It'll be great for Justin Fields. They're getting a great person. Uh, but it hurt. It hurt, and it wasn't easy to do. But as much as it hurt, as much as you didn't want to give him up, he was that last piece that enabled the trade to be completed, correct? Yeah, because when you look at the, the trade itself, it wasn't the draft picks. You got it done. You know, it was one draft pick. There were twos in there. Um, it was DJ Moore that put it over the top. Uh, that's yeah, it's amazing, and we do know that Nicole is the boss more so than David. Yeah, she is. You know, she was she was really close with with DJ, um, and they, they have a, a a special relationship. So we had to get Nicole's blessing, basically. <laughs> hey, hey, I guess can be okay with this. And uh, it wasn't easy, but in the end, uh, we had to do what was best for the club, and that was that was to move on. He was very surprised and very disappointed initially to go. Yeah, well, he, he you know he loves it here. It's a great place to live. Uh, you know, I think you know Drew Rosenhaus, an agent, was surprised as well. I mean, it wasn't something that we were planning to do. 
if something came up, you know, we tried to keep it as quiet, really, you know, I think like a day and a half or so, maybe a few days right before. Uh, and you don't want to share any information because if it doesn't happen, things leak out. And, you know, obviously, you know, you live in a world where any little thing can leak out at any time. Uh, so we tried to keep that tight, but, uh, you know, eventually we had to do it. I remember getting the information that DJ Moore was a part of the trade, texting Drew, and Drew didn't respond. And I think even he, and I don't mean to speak for him, was blindsided by the fact that DJ Moore was included in that deal. Yeah, and I've talked to him since. And, uh, you know, really, it was Dan Morgan who made the call at the time because there was so much stuff happening in my office here. Uh, I'm trying to communicate with, with our media staff here, our president, people in the building, our coaches. We're trying to get you know DJ Moore on the phone to let him know before it gets out. There's a lot of stuff that happens in a real short period of time. And so uh, Dan was actually on the phone with Drew at the time. Yeah, that, that's the one thing that I think I've realized in my job a lot of times, whether it's someone being hired and a team wanting to call the other candidates that didn't get it, or a guy getting fired and the family's wanting to know, or a trade going down and a player having to be notified. Sometimes there's logistics that conflict with what I want to do and how quickly I want to report something. Well, you try to coordinate with the other team as best you can, like a time frame of this. And like you try to get a window, hey, listen, let's hold this for like 15 minutes. We'll let you know Bruce Spate know and, and he'll coordinate with the, the PR staff and the other team. Um, and you want to do it right by the players too. So they can not only just call them, but so they can tell their wife or their kids or you know, family, so they're not blindsided. Uh this is a situation where things happen fast and, you know, uh, they got out fast, but, you know, you do the best you can do at the time. Now, you were in Seattle when the organization drafted Russell Wilson in 2012, and there were questions about his height at that time entering that draft. How much have you planned on what you guys did there while evaluating a player like Bryce Young? But I look back on that, and, you know, John Schneider was the one that really led the charge on Russell. He was the one that had the conviction, went into school at the time. That was back in October, I believe. And then the process that we took, like, John always asked the question, how many balls did he get back now? You know, we're talking about, a, a, you know, Wisconsin offensive line, those guys were all 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And how many balls did he get batted down? And it's like three his senior year. And so, uh, okay. What are the compensating factors? You, you go to that, and he slides along the pocket. You can find passing lanes. You know, maybe there's he moves well. He gets outside the pocket. So you try to ask yourself, why can this guy succeed? Whether it's you know, whether it's Bryce Young or whether it's Will Levis or C.J. Stroud, what's going to make them be successful? How do you have to play them to be successful? How do they fit your offense? And once that's all figured out, then you know, uh, that that's what drives the decision. But really. John Schneider's whole process is something that we talk about here and how we went through the process of, you know, picking who a possible franchise quarterback. So is there one thing that you took from that experience that year that you could apply to this particular evaluation process, Scott? Really, it was the person, you know, John talked about just how much, you know, how solid the guy was, how quickly he learned the leadership factor of him. The one example I can give you is when Russ came to uh, rookie minicamp that year. I want to say veterans were still would come to minicamp at that time, uh, or were involved. Uh, I might be wrong on that, but uh, just the command that Russ had when he when he got in the huddle, and they had a mic, and you could hear it, and just you know, a guy that walks in, he's five ten, and he all eyes are on him. He just owned that position at that time, 
and uh, Pete and John kept the process open and let uh, Russ earn that spot. You know, we had just signed Matt Flynn that offseason to contract. Uh, we, had, we had some quarterbacks already on the roster. And it wasn't like, hey, we took Russ with the idea that he was going to be the guy starting that year. But Pete and John's openness to it and willingness to allow him to, to compete allowed Russ to really stay in that process. And I think he started, I can't remember the first game against Arizona, but he started really early in his career. I want to say it was game one. He did because he he lit it up in the preseason. I remember the third preseason game, which was going to be a big factor. It was a Saturday night. I remember being at home and Russ came out and took the castle by storm and essentially lit it up. And I'm like, that was it. He won the job and basically was the guy ever since. So going into this year, you're going to pick a quarterback at one. We're going to break some news here, right? Like it's not going to be an offensive lineman. It's not going to be a pass rusher. You trade up for a quarterback here. Whoever that guy is, we have our own ideas. You'll bring him in and you have Andy Dalton. The Red Rifle. How will the organization approach the number one overall pick with Andy Dalton and what your plans are between the two of them and who starts on opening day? Yeah, so when we signed Andy Dalton, he had to play as rookie. So he he, he sees it through the rookie, the quarterback lens. But you can also give him pointers. Hey, listen, if you have to play as a rookie, if Andy doesn't win the job and it's a, it's a rookie starting, he can help them understand the, the challenges that he went through as a rookie starter. He's a great, you know, uh, smart guy in that room. He's a good worker. He's a good person. It's important for us to figure out who we're going to pair with these young guys. Because we have Matt Corral on the roster, too. We took him third round last year. But who's going to be a good mentor in that room? And even though Josh McCown is in that room and not far off the playing career, like he, he can have a major impact in that. We have Jim Caldwell here who is great with quarterbacks, Parks Frazier, you know, and Thomas Brown's our, our OC. So everything we've done is in order to support a young quarterback and help develop those quarterbacks, whether it's Matt, the rookie, or, uh, you know. You've assembled an unbelievable staff, truly. Like, that is a great group of men to teach the number one overall pick how to be a pro and how to be a starting quarterback. And you mentioned the idea of moving on from DJ Moore, and yet, you went out this offseason and added running back Miles Sanders, wide receiver Adam Thielen, wide receiver DJ Shark, tight end Hayden Hurst. And so while you lose a great player in DJ Moore, you brought in a lot of talent. And I can make the argument that between all those players and all those coaches and trading up to the number one overall pick, there may not be a team that had a more significant and impressive offseason so far. We'll see how it turns out on paper. We'll see what happens when the games are played. You never know. But when you just look at it right now, Scott, that is a that seems to be a very strong offseason. Well, you know, I think it was very intentional about how we did this. You know, obviously, we, we couldn't foresee trading DJ. Uh, we thought he'd be there for, for a young quarterback. But once we did that, it was important for us to go get an Adam Thielen who is probably one of the best route runners, smartest players, and has that instant separation. It's going to be exactly where you want him to be. You want to get DJ Chark, who's a bigger receiver, who's got that vertical ability. We have Terrace Marshall on the roster. You know, we have Luviska Chanel. We go out and get Hayden Hurst, which, you know, the tight end is the quarterback's best friend. So he can get down the seam. Then Miles Sanders, you know, he's a guy that is a three-down back. He can stay on the field and have that outlet to the running back out of the backfield. That, that was all... Uh, with ideas supporting a young quarterback, so he doesn't have to feel like he has to come in and make plays on his own. You know, we didn't want that. And then this offense, 
the way the offense is going to be built, you know, with some ramps that influence through Thomas Brown, through Frank, which looks a lot like, uh, you know, the Philly offense. Just the blend of that and what they're going to ask the quarterback to do. I think it's, I think it's going to be a very quarterback friendly offense. I think we've supported him by, by surrounding him with the right people and the right coaches. And so it's, it's been very intentional. I'm pleased where we're at. And now we just have to go and execute the plan. Last thing. Thursday night, you're going to be in the new room. Do you have an outfit, a lucky outfit picked out? Do you have a lucky meal plan? Like, what is it going to be like on Thursday night when you sit in that room and it's 7 Eastern, I believe the draft starts at 7 Eastern, and the Carolina Panthers go to make the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft? Well, I think it's really exciting for the organization as a whole. You know, it's had a couple tough years here. You know, there's some history of winning. Uh, I think it's our, our chance to put a stamp on this, you know, and, and Dave and Nicole have been very supportive through this whole process. Uh, we're excited to make the pick and, uh, you know, to uh, compete for championships moving forward. Hey, Scott, I really appreciate taking some time today. Thank you very much. Good luck on Thursday night and congratulations on what looks like it has been a very impressive offseason. Appreciate it, Adam. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Scott. And there is Scott Fitterer, the general manager of the Carolina Panthers, who made one of the biggest moves the entire offseason, trading up for the number one pick in Thursday night's draft. And we'll see how that shakes out with all signs pointing to the Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young, becoming the number one overall pick. And let me say this personally, I am so happy to be back at the draft this year after taking off my first draft in 30-plus years. Last year was my son's graduation. It wasn't just graduation that weekend from college. It happened to be the ceremony on Thursday night of the NFL draft at 6 o'clock from the Michigan Economics Department. And so while the draft was unfolding in Las Vegas, I was in Chrysler Arena in Ann Arbor watching my son graduate. Wouldn't have missed it for a moment. Very glad I did do that. But I will say it was very odd not being there. And I'm very happy to be back in person in Kansas City. No more virtual draft. No more pretend draft. I'll get to be there. And that's going to be awesome. But I remember last year literally going to his graduation and then going out to dinner in Ann Arbor. Great little Italian spot called Monty. And we're having some pizza and we're having some beers and we're celebrating. And I get a text that A.J. Brown is being traded from Tennessee to Philadelphia. So I get on the phone, I'm confirming things, making sure everything's all right, get the news, send it into ESPN, post it on Instagram, Twitter, social media, try to get me live on air. So even though I was away and not really working, of course, you're always working because that's what the job entails. But they were unable due to the time sensitivity and constraints of the draft. It's very complex, very complicated. They could not get me on. So that was my one little contribution for the 2022 draft, getting the news that A.J. Brown was being traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Other than that, no draft for me. So we're back this year, and we're very excited. I also should point out that I did spend the weekend again this past weekend in Ann Arbor. We mentioned on this podcast about a month ago that my great college professor, Don Kubit, my personal writing coach in college, passed away. They had a celebration of life. For him in Ann Arbor on Saturday at 1230 at a library there. And it was outstanding. And I wouldn't have missed that. 
And we had set up a family kind of pre-draft going away for the draft dinner in New York City on Saturday night. And I figured, okay, well, I'm going to go into Ann Arbor Saturday morning, fly in, go to the celebration of life. And then I had a four o'clock flight on United booked to come home. I took a 9 a.m. flight out on Delta, got to the service. And as it was beginning at about 1230, one o'clock, get a text that United canceled its flight, canceled it. Just cancel it. I now I can't believe that businesses run this way. Like I had all these plans to go back Saturday afternoon and United. I think because it didn't have enough customers. That's my theory, my guess, my assumption. Just cancel the flight. A Saturday flight into Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, we're going to cancel that flight. So the next flight out wasn't until seven thirty, and then storms came into Ann Arbor, and all those flights got delayed. And there I was sitting in Detroit Metro Airport at 11.30 Saturday night, tried to get back to New York, missed the family dinner, stuck in Ann Arbor. It would have been useful next year when the draft is in Detroit. And so I want to thank United personally for canceling that four o'clock flight. Now, I know Edward is the master reprimanding airlines on social media. I don't really do that, but I did feel the need to express my disappointment and frustration with the way business was handled this past weekend. So there we go. Anyway, we're back onto the draft. The draft will be in Detroit next year. If they want to strand me in Ann Arbor next year, all good, but not so much this year. But we are very excited for Thursday night in Kansas City, ESPN, ABC, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This to me is like Christmas week for everybody. And so we're getting ready for the draft. We're all excited about it. And I want to thank the Panthers general manager, Scott Fitterer, for joining us today. I want to thank my great producers, Christina Buswell and Sarah Abbott, for putting together this podcast. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week. We'll be back in this space again to look back at the 2023 draft. I expect to be joined by Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, as we do our usual annual review and roundup of the draft that was. Until then, have a great week and enjoy the draft.